Thank you for joining us for Revive the Drive, a ministry of the Bethany Fellowship of Churches. We live in a world where time is a precious commodity. One of the avenues for reviving our souls is the necessary commute to and from the many places our schedules take us. As the wheels of the car begin to turn, join our panel and set the wheels of your mind in motion as you consider the significance and impact of theology on everyday life. Let's listen in as our pastors talk theology. Thanks for joining us at Revive the Drive. Uh, We've been having discussion over these last uh, five sessions about the Reformation. And uh, with me again today, our first uh, Kendall Kaufman from Lexington Community Church. Welcome, Kendall. Yeah, great. Great. Good (laughs) to be with you. And then uh, Kevin Souter at Newcastle Bible Church. Thanks, Rich. And then finally, Daniel Bennett at Bethany Community Church. Rich, thank you for that warm welcome. (laughs) Yes, thank you. It's been great to be able to spend some time just thinking about the Reformation. Uh, This session, we're going to talk about a number of applications, so practical ways in which uh, we might think about and apply uh, the gospel in our life as we think about the Reformation. And, And the first uh, application that I'm considering uh, is the application of, of our witness, of how we interact uh, with people uh, in our broader culture. Uh, my experience is that most people don't know the gospel at all, and then there are those who are religious, uh, but either religious uh, from, we'll say, liberal Protestantism, so the the Protestant church that emerged uh, from the Reformation that was wholeheartedly desires to, to purify uh, the message of the, the gospel is, is largely uh, drifted away, or from uh, Roman Catholic or Eastern Orthodox, Orthodox uh, neighbors or friends or family members. So let's talk together about uh, our witness, uh, about the way that we interact uh, and share the gospel with those in our broader culture who uh, either don't know the gospel at all or have have it confused as a result of uh, false teaching. Wouldn't we start by just repeating the way Luther did it? Uh, nail up some thesis, burn <laughs> some books, and uh, and you know have all these debates. No, I mean certainly we've got Way ahead to. Of you. Yeah, oh, already done that. Daniel's already done that. Step two. <laughs> How'd that work for you, Daniel? <laughs> yeah, I'm ready for step two. I, yeah. I've been excommunicated. So. Well, certainly Luther was, uh, and and uh, the other reformers were were going about a way that culturally they were able to do. Um, part of this would be uh, for, for us to just think about profitable ways to get into conversation uh, with our neighbors, with with those uh, around us that we want to share the gospel. Certainly, I think if we're going to to establish that, whatever we do, uh, it's going to have to come back to speaking about the God revealed through Scripture. It's mm-hmm. got to be based on the authority of the Word. And that's one thing that the Reformers drove us back to, uh, why the pulpit became central, why expository preaching became popular, why the people craved having their souls fed with the Word of God, mm-hmm. because it, it wasn't a diet, man-baked idea that left them uh, helpless and left their souls empty, uh, but they were feeding the Word of God. So mm-hmm. at least the start of uh, any conversation with anyone, whether they be mildly religious or, or irreligious uh, whatsoever, is the God who has revealed himself, not just in creation, but in his word and salvation coming through that word. Mm-hmm. And and I think 
Kendall, when you mentioned sharing the gospel with our neighbors, as we think about application, we say, okay, there are, there are people in our lives who are who are like Luther in the sense of of needing assurance or awareness of how to come into relationship with God. Um, you read through the things that Luther thought before his conversion and just his overwhelming sense of need and the desire to, to be right with God and recognizing that something was wrong. Um, that That's what you know, God has placed us in relationships to come alongside people who are in that exact same situation. You think about Stoppitz and how Stoppitz, uh, his his confessor, kind of helped Luther. You know, he provided him with a, kind of a, a sense of humor. Mm-hmm. You know, he was kind of a, a gentle mm-hmm. uh, contrast to Luther. And he also, um, I, think, I think he one time told Luther, hey, why don't you go commit some real sin like murder your parents and then confess it to me? Uh, and, and just trying to help Luther... Uh, I think one person puts it, he kept pointing him to Christ. He kept saying, look to Christ, look to Christ. And so that's yeah. that's what we have the opportunity to do with the, yep. the people that God places in our mm-hmm. life as well. Yeah. And and uh, I think it's right for us to begin with a heart of relationship and love. Um, we're not our, our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against the mm-hmm. people. Even people who strongly oppose the gospel, maybe in our neighborhood or workplace, uh, our battle really is never with them. It's, it's against spiritual forces and that was true of luther's day he understood that he was battling spiritual forces and um and that's true of ours and and god calls us to to really be in relationship and express the love of christ through relationship and the open-heartedness uh that god would have us bring you know one of the things that i think uh a person 500 years ago could assume was a certain doctrinal perspective by at least uh, the religious leaders of the Catholic Church, and uh, today it's a lot more broad. So, mm-hmm. so witnessing is is very in, individual, and we have to ask a lot of questions to discover what exactly this person is believing before we begin bringing uh, any kind of correction through truth. Yeah, that's true, and yet at the same time, I think that sometimes it can get over overwhelming or intimidating to say, wow, I have all these different religious traditions, these streams of tradition, you know, and that have come down over time, and I don't understand all of their tradition. How am I able to witness to them? Mm-hmm. And, and I think at some point there is a simplicity, too, to say uh, the goal of our sharing is to get to the gospel. I'm not ashamed yeah. of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And at the end of the day, I want to try to navigate this discussion away from the specific tradition mm-hmm. and really to the Word of God to where I can say, what does the Word of God say about your salvation yeah. and the uh, and the the result of your sins? You know, mm-hmm. where are your sins going to find mm-hmm. their right their, their rest? And and um, no, that that's exactly right, Kevin. I. I think in reference to um, witnessing to, to Roman Catholics, for instance, mm-hmm. um, there have been some changes. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so Vatican II, uh, I think it was 1965, made some really big changes. Now, not substantial in reference to the five solas, right? but some really big changes in terms of some practices and some perspectives. And so, dialogue. And dialogue. So one of the practical changes was that the church that now be, has is is encouraging her members to read the bible which was not true prior to vatican II, as i understand it mm-hmm. um and uh so now like i uh we i have uh, friends and and neighbors who are uh you know very sweet 
Roman Catholic people who read their Bible. And my experience is I, I, I do believe that they are genuinely born again, mm-hmm. that they've received that from reading Gospel of John, for instance. Right. And, and so we don't want to assume that just because someone attends a specific church, or regardless of that church, that they don't absolutely know the gospel. Now, again, I, I, I affirm that the, the official doctrine of the Catholic Church has not changed since Luther's day. Mm-hmm. So uh, they would still stand by the anathemas uh, of, you know, Cursed is anyone who believes that they're saved by faith alone, for instance, right. in the Council of Trent, which was the Counter-Reformation. But, but as far as our witness, um, it's really important to have those kind of conversations to discern wh- what each person understands and to try to help, help them uh, know what God has said through his, through his word. That's good. Mm-hmm. Right. Because you think about who, who were the first members of, of the, the Protestant church. It was... Roman Catholics, because right. they were they were responding right. to things that they already believed. They just hadn't heard them articulated that way. Yeah, and so I don't think we assume that a person who goes to one of our churches is a believer, and we don't yeah. necessarily assume that a church a person that goes right. to a, a Roman Catholic church isn't a believer. We say, right. hey, what, do you, "What do you believe about Jesus yeah. Christ?" And and we, you know, I think you made this. Uh, you mean maybe. Scott who was sitting there earlier. <laughs> uh, I'm looking at where Kevin is and pointing to, to Scott. Anyway, um, d- words, we don't assume that people mean the same thing when they right. use words like faith That's and, right. and grace and we're saved by God's grace. And so yeah. we, we need to really propagate. When you say you believe you're saved by faith, yeah. what is faith? Right. Is it trusting in Jesus alone for your That's salvation correct. or works? And, and those are things that we, the Reformation highlights for us and we, we flush out in our relationships with people we love. Yeah. And and uh, again, I, I think we we need to say as well that being part of a gospel believing church doesn't make you a gospel believer. Uh, that there are many, for instance, uh, Roman Catholic friends who understand the gospel a lot better than some of the Baptist friends I have, for instance. Right. And uh, so so we we don't want to understate the the differences that are doctrinal related to the center of the gospel but but also on an individual basis in our personal relationship of how we witness we don't want to make a, a broad sweeping assumptions that that may first uh, bring unnecessary conflict in relationship but also hinder us from from really advancing God's glory in in our relationships and testimony mm-hmm. so another issue uh, practically uh, that we can talk about is, is uh, all these different Protestant do- denominations so practically today it appears as though the church is very disunified and some would say well that that doesn't seem like to a very good effect of the reformation if the reformation brought about all these divisions so you know, there's uh, uh, Methodists and Lutherans and Baptists and Presbyterians and Episcopalians and, you know, continue on down that list. Um, how, how do we relate to others in the body of Christ? What, what practically is a right perspective in regard to our relationships within those who uh, believe in the gospel? Um, and yet come from very different traditions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that that's one of the fruits of the Reformation is that it's it's allowed an opportunity for unity on essentials and with a, still a commitment to the authority of the Word of God as we understand it and interpret it 
with some distinction between us. And there's, you know, you see some of that with Zwingli and um, uh, Luther or Calvin, which one? Luther. Luther, Luther yeah. So Luther and, Z- and Zwingli, as they had differences in how they understood the uh, Lord's Supper, if I'm remembering correctly, and yet they were still very much united on what what, what was the gospel, in, in other words. And, uh, and so I think that some of the fruit of the Reformation is actually the ability to say, we want the, we want the Word of God to be authoritative in our understanding in our practice, and there's, there may be times when we differ on some of those practical understandings, and, and, but we're still appealing to the same authority and um, still united on the core distinctions of the gospel. And, and so are denominations necessary? Should the church try to, try to remove those distinctions if we are together for the gospel? Mm-hmm. Uh, or are those denominations actually helpful? I, what, what do you guys think? about that practically yes yes <laughs> wow that's yeah. a great yeah. both i mean and, b- both can to. be true both yeah. both can and have right. been true right so the right. idea of of uh the, the denominations help us begin to experience that that truth that christ proclaims about the unity of his church and for us to understand oh the the christ church is is bigger than just my individual local assembly of believers, although that is a manifestation of the universal church. And where we get into danger is when we begin to draw the boundaries of the church too small based upon our denomination. Mm-hmm. Say, okay, people who aren't part of this denomination aren't part of Christ's church. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and Baptists are probably uh, most notorious uh, for splintering off within itself um, and making some walls. Uh, and and so this this division or these uh, 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 des- this desire to just depart from one and begin afresh, yeah. uh, it can be healthy if it's driven by gospel mm-hmm. uh, essentials. But it seems oftentimes that uh, my experience with uh, Protestant brothers and sisters is they're so quick over the littlest of things to say, you know what? <laughs> This church doesn't do this. I'm out of here. Mm, I'm going to yeah. go find a church that I really like, and their life experience is bouncing from this church to that church to another church. With and it does seem to me to diminish the ability of a church to communicate the uh, infinite value of God and of Jesus Christ when we allow things that are so insignificant to disrupt fellowship with one another. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wherever sin is at the core of our division, that that is that is a a blight on the glory of God. That that's wrong. Yeah. And we should repent of that. But you know, the the first Corinthians eleven nineteen says that there uh there must needs be factions among you in order that those who are genuine might be approved. I, I think part of God's design throughout history in a way that's mysterious to us through his providence is he brings conflict. He brings discussions right. to to his people, where we have to decide: Is Christ and His Word going to be the authority mm-hmm. only, or is my tradition going to yeah. be my authority? And we're constantly making those choices between yep. Christ and culture, and mm-hmm. and and so wherever sin creates that schism, it, it is something to be grieved. So let's imagine a young Martin Luther sitting in one of our churches. Hmm. He's disrupted by some things that are happening. Um. At, at what point would would you say, you know, it's necessary to leave that church? 
So as we talked about before, Martin Luther didn't really leave the church. He was kicked out. <laughs> he stayed in there a long <laughs> mm-hmm. time until finally the, the church itself said, no, there's no room for you guys to mm-hmm. leave. So it, it seems as though our churches are filled with people who have left good churches and right. come into ours. Um, when is that right and good and healthy for an individual to do that uh, when they're disrupted by what's happening in the church in which they're, they're involved? Obviously, when it's touching on the gospel, yeah. you know, the, the core truth of, of uh, who, who Jesus is mm-hmm. and what he's done and how we receive the righteousness from God through faith in him. And I, I think the souls we've touched on, whenever those, obviously those core doctrines are touched on, we say, yeah, this is in a church in which I can fellowship. I think we'd also, we, we, you know, we, have a, we had a, I think we did a podcast on this too about right and wrong times to leave the church. And, mm-hmm. and so I, I don't think we would say every leaving of a church uh, for non-fundamental issues is is universally wrong and sinful, mm-hmm. but it, it should be a high bar, not mm-hmm. not a not yeah. a low bar. That's good. Yeah, I think especially too, apart from the solos. I mean, if 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 the leadership of a church, if their feet are firmly cemented in the wrong direction, and mm-hmm. I don't mean that they've stepped mm-hmm. incorrectly here or there, but if their feet are firmly cemented in the wrong direction mm-hmm. and there's no turning of it, yeah, that 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 would be too, because it's yeah. only gonna it's only gonna follow suit that the solos yeah. are are quickly yeah. behind. We. Daniel, you're saying so. I, I was going to just add to is on a on a uh, difficult segue. We've talked about some of these guys in the Reformation, and we've talked about some of the wonderful qualities that they have. Mm-hmm. We we don't want to uh, present through this uh, revive the drive that these guys were without fault or without sin themselves, and without even some significant things. So, so if we talk about these men in in their uh, sinful humanness. Mm-hmm. And maybe some of the uh, ways in which uh, we wish their story would have been written a little different. What What are some yeah. comments that you guys might have about that? Yeah, I, th- I think that's a great note to to kind of think about as we come to the conclusion, because the Reformation isn't ultimately about about these men, and the things that resonate in our hearts with these men is is more about the, the biblical truths that they proclaimed, and sometimes the way that they proclaimed them, because we, we want to have that same courage and conviction, and we think they. They articulated some truths well. At the same time, we see their flaws. You know, we see mm-hmm. Luther said, you know, very anti-Semitic things at times. We mm-hmm. see the way that he handled the peasants' re- revolt. We see, um, you know, Calvin and, and some of the, the things that he did with Servantus. So it is, yeah. And so, and, and here's here we talked about this uh, off mic too. The funny the funny thing is, some of these reformers wouldn't acknowledge us as Christians even because mm-hmm. of the theological convictions we have about things mm-hmm. like baptism. And so at the end of the day, they're, they're only men. And mm-hmm. the things we celebrate in them are the, the biblical truths they help, help us see. Mm-hmm. Isn't it fascinating that even in Genesis, you see God's design for his people working through men with feet of clay. So you have Jacob, and you have Abraham, and you have all of these, these sinners— that God chooses to use mm-hmm. for his glory in his in his grand design of history starting in Genesis all the way through to Peter you know here's yeah. here's Peter and the disciples and he's 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 not selecting the best and he's not selecting the perfect mm-hmm. he's selecting the weak and he's selecting the the fragile and he's selecting the sinful and for his glory alone he's giving grace 
uh, through Christ for His glory. So I yeah. I think that's something just to keep in mind right. for us. We don't we don't yeah. idolize or whitewash the Reformation heroes, so to speak, but we recognize that these are men that God used in their day, men who are willing to trust Him at great personal cost. Yeah, and um, and men that are that are worth learning from. Yeah, yeah. I heard uh, Carl Truman addressing some of the flaws of Luther. I thought he did a really nice job in, in how he described it. He said, you know, often with great figures, well, it's true with all of us, but when you're talking about great figures that shook uh, some of the foundations of, of culture and countries, he said their strengths and their weaknesses are functions of the same character trait. So you take mm-hmm. a guy like Luther who's headstrong. Mm-hmm. It allowed him to stand alone at Worms, mm-hmm. but it also got him into trouble. And so the the risk of some of these figures that we both idolize, uh, you know, but also look at the other side of it. The risk is that someone as great as that, if he's on the wrong side of something, it's going to yeah. go horribly wrong. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so we, we do want to keep that into perspective. Yeah. That's good. And, and ultimately, I, I think it's important for us to think about our own lives yeah. in light of uh, other people of faith uh, who have done great things for God. There are some ways in which we'd look at chapters of their life and say, I I do want to be like that. I want to have that courage. I want to have that faith. Mm -hmm. I want to have that love for God. I want to have that passion for his glory and for his gospel, that that submission to his word. And yet in those very same lives that have these moments, and this is also true of almost everyone presented in scripture, to to recognize as a warning to our own lives, well, what is there in me that at the end of my life, I look back and say, oh, I wish I could erase that chapter. Mm-hmm. You know, we can't erase any part of uh, our lives. It is what it's mm-hmm. going to be. But we can look forward and say, God, you know, in humility, I want to pursue a life that that does not have those chapters that would rob you of, of glory. I think of that little, again, little poem, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. And uh, we're thankful that God is a God who forgives us, Amen. and yet we don't presume upon that. We want to say, God, I, I want to run to the end in a way that, that really honors you so that uh, we can hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Um, and uh, thinking about these reformers make me think about the desire to hear that, uh, both positively through their positive example, but also uh, some things to avoid. Well, thanks for listening to us at uh, Revive the Drive. We trust that the series on the Reformation has sparked your interest. Uh, we do plan to produce a, a six-sermon series uh, that you can obtain as well at uh, any of the churches that have been represented here, um, and that's yet forthcoming. I think uh, it'll probably be by the end of November that we'll have that uh, series ready, but uh, we're going to be preaching through the five solas of the Reformation as well as uh, a message about the Reformation in general. So trust you'll enjoy that and uh, allow this time to be a time where we witness for Christ and, and where we deepen our love for Him. May God bless you.